Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Deborah Holt, who is an accomplished writer and certified life coach. She has a BA from United States International University and attended graduate school at Boston University. Her book, Out of the Darkness, Aligning Science and Spirit to Overcome Depression, is a number one bestseller. For 50 years, depression dictated what Deborah Holtz believed not only about herself, but also the meaning and purpose of life, faith, love, and death. Determined to end her life, everything changed in 2007 when an internal voice whispered, what if there's another way to heal depression beyond traditional medical and psychiatric treatments? We have so much to talk about today. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you. Before we delve into your professional journey, can you describe your life in one word thus far? Thus far, it has culminated in what I would say in one word as joyous. Gotcha. Okay. Let's talk about that word and why that's meaningful to you. It's very meaningful. I alternate between joyous and joyful. I spent 50 years in absolute misery and depression and darkness and didn't enjoy anything about my life. In fact, dreaded my life. I used to wake up in the morning and think, oh my God, another day. I've got to get through another day. And after I had healed my depression and through the process of learning thankfulness and how I rewired my brain, people now say, you are the most joyful person I've ever known. And I live in a condition of joy because a part of it is just gratefulness for if I hadn't had the darkness and misery that I had for so long, the contrast to what my life is now is so remarkable. Even when I talk about it, I feel my chest swell with joy that, wow, I get to have this life now. And so I'm joyful all the time. It doesn't mean that bad things don't happen or that I'm not sad sometimes. Those are normal human emotions, but I never, I'm never stopping so thankful for the life I have. I love that. Thank you so much for that. So let's talk about the 50 years of depression and that internal voice and making the decision about listening to what I call your inner knowing. So I discuss it in my book, but. I believe that I was depressed as a very young child and I probably was depressed as early as four years old and perhaps earlier, but I, of course I didn't have the word for it, but I was always just a sad, sad child. And my brain was wired for depression very early on. My mother was a very troubled mother. She was a teenage mother with no support or resources. and she really wasn't able to take care of my brother and me. 
And so she gave us up to private foster care when I was four. And I remember uh, my memories are very clear from that time that I felt despair. I felt lonely. I felt hopeless. I felt unwanted. I felt unconnected to anything solid and not much changed through my childhood. Eventually we ended up back with my mother when I was six, but things didn't get better. And I never had, my brain never really had the opportunity to experience happiness and joy. So basically my brain got hardwired, which hardwired is, I use that word loosely because I don't believe the brain is hardwired anymore. My brain was wired to be depressed and it led me down a path of miscreant choices and relationships. And I just created chaos in my life all the time. So there's nothing but negative going on in my life. And even when wonderful things occurred, like I married my Ivy League college dream man. We had a dream house that we built. We had beautiful children. We were educated. We were successful professionally. But underlying it all for me was always despair, always hopelessness. What's my purpose? Life has no meaning. What am I doing here? Let's talk about that point where you have that internal voice and you heard it and it said to you, there's another way. 2007 was my first really serious suicide plan. 2013 was another suicide plan, but that's when the internal voice occurred. I had always thought about suicide. I always thought, okay, if it becomes impossible, you could kill yourself. Simple solution. Kill yourself. Put yourself out of your misery. I had obvious conflicts about doing that. So by 2013, I was in so much pain. I just felt like it was impossible to go on. And unless someone's been severely depressed, they may not know this, but at least for me, the depression was very physical. Besides the low energy, it literally felt all the time like there was pressure inside of me pushing out like I was going to explode. And it came with aches and pains and stomach ailments and all kinds of things. And I'd finally just had enough. And by then I was in a terrible marriage and my children had left home and I was left with myself and all these thoughts and all this pain. And so I made this plan. I write about in the book, although some people said probably I shouldn't have been so specific, but I had a specific plan. And as I'm beginning to write letters to my children, just say, I'm sorry. I thought, well, let me back up a little bit. I, I had been so-called treated in every traditional psychiatric and therapeutic way. I'd been on every psych med there is probably beginning at the age of 17. I'd been in talk therapy endless of times and told the same stories over and over and over again. And I never felt better. In many cases, I felt worse and with the treatment. Psych meds, and I won't go into it in detail right now, but psych meds I see as a lifeline. For some people, it saves their life, but it's not a permanent solution because the permanent solution is 
changing your underlying beliefs and thoughts. So in that moment, although I tried everything except for ECT, electroconvulsive therapy, as I'm minutes away from ending my life, a thought came. And I, you know, I don't know if it was a spiritual thing or what it was, but it literally felt like it came from somewhere above me and just shot through my brain and said, wait, stop. What if there's something you don't know yet? And I thought I knew everything about treatment. And that's when I stopped and I went to my computer and I Googled alternative treatment for depression, which you would think I would have thought of that by now, but my brain was so numb. I didn't really think. And up popped all kinds of amazing information that ultimately changed my life and healed my depression. Wow, that is amazing. And I have worked in the clinical field, psych field for years in hospitals. So I I do know what you're saying about meds. And I think that they can be used for emergent purposes. But yes, some people use them long term. However, I always believe that there still needs to be the aspect of changing the mapping. And that there is an opportunity to change that map. So in regards to mindset, the messages, the all those different things. And the and I hear what you're saying about, you know, all this manifesting in pain, both physical and mental pain for you. So mm-hmm. I've seen yeah. it, right? I've seen it with people. And so I love that you've written this book. And I want to get more into the book so you can tell us about the the content of this book and some of the tips and some of the things that you offer in this book. So let's talk about that courageous journey from depression and darkness and moving into the light with healing, joy, peace, understanding, and your understanding of neuroplasticity and the brain's capacity to continue to grow and evolve in response to these life experiences. I popped a little ad in the sidebar. This is in my book, a book by Gary Zukoff. The first book I read of his was called The Dancing Wooly Masters. I forget the subtitle, but it's like a layperson's guide to quantum physics. And for the first time in my life, I'm reading about, I was never scientifically minded and I am still not. I'm lucky I graduated from high school and they forced me to take science classes. But it was the first time I ever read about atoms and photons and all the things that we're made of. and how we're part of an energy field. I don't want to sound too crazy for your listeners because it's it's science that ultimately, as I began to understand that I'm comprised of energy, atoms and photons and neurons, and that I have the capacity, this took time to learn, to manage that energy And that was my first step to understanding that I was not just contained to this physical body. A lot of it, which is in my book, is I was brought up, once my parents took us back when I was six, they got very involved in a church, Christian church. And I was brought up being told that if I didn't believe a certain way, I was going to go to hell. Even as a child, I couldn't accept what I was being taught. Not to offend anybody religious, but I couldn't accept that if I didn't believe Jesus was the only way to God and accept him as my personal Lord and Savior, I was going to hell. And I had a lot of intellectual 
wondering about how that was possible. And so through my life, I carried this terrible fear of death, terrible fear of death. Even as an adult, I would pray for blind faith. Just give me blind faith so I can believe this, so I don't have to go to hell. And I never accomplished that. So when I encountered quantum physics and energy and began to understand what we're made of and that energy can't be destroyed, I began to lose my fear of death. And as I began to also understand consciousness, that I'm not this body, I'm not even these thoughts, who I am is consciousness. And that it's almost shocking to me now that I didn't know that I'm not my thoughts. And I think that's true for a lot of people. Just because you have a thought, that's not who you are. Who you are is the observer of those thoughts, that being a soul. So as I began to understand that, and I began to believe that there was meaning and purpose in my life that had nothing to do with my body, it had nothing to do with my circumstances or my accomplishments or the bad things I did or the good things I did, I began to feel relief. And that way I could explore other ways to heal, including rewiring my brain rewiring my brain. That was fundamental and key. But I had to change my underlying beliefs to begin to rewire my brain. Absolutely. It's interesting too that you speak of quantum physics because I have had I had multiple conversations with a quantum physicist very renowned in the field. His name is Howard Brandt. He has passed away since. But we would talk about because he was a Catholic and he was very spiritual. And he was a quantum physicist. He traveled all over the world. And yet he wanted to talk to me about Edmund Herschel's phenomenology and our lived experiences because he thought he didn't believe that our lived experiences contributed to that whole energy. It was interesting having these conversations with him. So to hear you talk about this from this perspective as well, very interesting again. So, and I also like you believe that we can change that conditioning. We can change that brain map. And and that's what I call it. It's not your typical radiograph, but it is a map that we've created over time. Mm -hmm. And so yet I do believe those messages can be changed. Those underlying beliefs, absolutely, that we've set in can be changed because the more we talk to ourselves With those same messages, of course, we're going to return to those same messages. So when we begin to believe and start changing those messages, that's when we start changing those brain maps. It's an amazing, incredible thing. I'm going to share how specifically I rewired my brain. But when you look at what the brain looks like, I don't mean the like two hemispheres and all that, but when you look at what a neuron looks like, and the synapses that send the messages with the electrical. I'm using my hands while I'm talking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about this. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It, there, it is a sort of a map. And I learn things visually. So one of the first steps when I found out about neuroplasticity, which I will be very specific about in a second, I had to learn what the brain looks like. Mm-hmm. So when I was doing my brain rewiring practices, I could visualize the synapses meeting, the electrical impulses and all that stuff. I'm smiling big now. I wish you could. I can hear it. I can feel it. I can hear it in your voice. This was so 
revolutionary. When I found out how the brain works and how I could change it, oh my God, blew my mind. And that's when I began to develop my little techniques for rewiring my brain. So the brain communicates with itself with what we put into it, not the hardware and stuff like breathing or you need to eat to survive. But my thoughts were this way until I discovered Donald Hebb, who in 1949, Donald Hebb was a neuropsychologist who first proposed the idea that our brains are in fact not hardwired. So there was belief and teachings that our brains are hardwired for the age of 25 to 28. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, it's not true. And he presented this in uh, 1949, but nobody wanted to listen to him because it went against already the traditional thinking, the traditional medical training and so on. And it didn't really start to make it mainstream really until about 10 years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago. And so I'd never heard of it. And I couldn't understand why none of these psychiatrists I'd seen and it never mentioned it to me. So this is what my brain was pre during depression. You're a bad person. You are alone. Nobody likes you. Or if they knew who you really are, they wouldn't like you. And you're unlovable. These are all messages from my childhood, obviously, and reinforced in a lot of ways, culturally. Life is hopeless. There is no meaning. What's the point? <laughs> what's what's going to happen when you die? And so these kinds of thoughts constantly bombarded me. And even when I had successes professionally, educationally, and so on, I, I'd still think you're a phony. You're a fake. You're ugly. You're fat. Nobody wants you. These were always my thoughts. And I laugh now because it's so ridiculous. Once I knew I could rewire my brain, I had to change my thoughts. So even though I didn't, let's just take something really simple. Let me just say, you're ugly. Let's say I think you're ugly. I began to counter every negative thought with a positive thought, even though I didn't believe it initially. So I would say, let's just say, this is just an example. You're ugly. I am beautiful. Or let's see. Nobody loves you. Many people love you. I am worthless. You are worthy. And I put them on index cards, post-it notes. I put them everywhere that I could see them in my car, in my bathroom, in my house. And I would repeat these things out loud. And what that did is far more complicated than that. And I write about it in my book. But what changing the thought, it doesn't matter that you don't believe it. And that's extraordinary doesn't matter. You can begin to change brain wiring just by changing your thought. So as I started to practice changing my thoughts, it was almost imperceptible at first. I began to feel better. And ultimately, and I'm going to repeat, I had to change a lot of my underlying beliefs too. But ultimately, and I did that through educating myself, ultimately, I believe those thoughts. and. Like the analogy of I'm an avid hiker, I've been hiking for decades, and I like to try, I like to go on a nice leisurely hike, but I also like to try more difficult hikes. So I might be have a familiar path I go on, but then I see mm, a way that I haven't gone before. So I might have to cut through 
brambles and bushes and encounter insects and things like that and to forge a new path. And it's difficult. It's more difficult. But once you you deviate off of the customary path, you create a new path. And that's kind of how I think of Donald Hebb, what he would say, and it was shortened phrase, what wires together, fires together. So when neurons fire a certain way, repeatedly, they ultimately form a neural pathway in the brain. They wire together. And that's how your brain functions. Now, when you have negative, negative, negative thoughts, and you believe that they're true, and you believe that's who you are, it affects your neurochemistry. So all the feel-good neurochemistry that you know about, the serotonin, the dopamine, all those got negative thoughts, you're not creating those feel-good neurochemicals. When you change your thoughts, then guess what? You get to, it gives me chills. You get to change your neurochemistry without drugs. And other components that I write about are, you know, it wasn't just I sat around changing my thoughts. I also had to start moving. I engaged in some spiritual practices. I did practice some trauma breathing and nutrition and various things like that. I have to say clearly, I have not been depressed since late 2013. And I was never without depression, never. And I used to get told, and this is something I would like anybody listening who struggles with depression is I was told that I would be depressed the rest of my life and I would be dependent on drugs and therapy for the rest of my life. And if that isn't a reason for hopelessness, I don't know what is, but I have been depression free since late 2013. This is incredible. And I know your book, Out of the Darkness, Aligning Science and Spirit to Overcome Depression is going to help so many, I know it will resonate with so many because what you talk about in regards to the science and your spirit and changing your thought patterns and how that also changes behavior and how you also then feel like you want to change your behavior because when your thoughts change and you start producing that dopamine and that serotonin, guess what happens? You want to get up, you want to do other things. Because now those are your happy pills of sorts, right? So you're not yeah. taking pills. You're, you're creating that naturally in your body, in your brain. You know, in the morning when I wake up, I'm so excited. I'm like, oh boy, I get to do this. I get to do that. Yes, it completely changes your mot- motivation. And as far as hopelessness, anybody who feels hopeless is to let them know I was so I couldn't get out of bed for weeks. I mean, sometimes I didn't even make it to the bathroom because I didn't have the energy to get out of bed. Couldn't brush my teeth, couldn't wash my hair, couldn't take care of my children properly. I was on death's door as far as I'm concerned. And now, you know, now <laughs> it's just amazing. It is amazing. And it's wonderful. And I'm loving that you wrote this book because, again, it's another resource to help so many So, and we've been through some very challenging times as of recent, which kind of created more of a heavy load for folks. So I know this, this book will speak to a lot of people. Thank you. Absolutely. And I love the perspective from which you, you speak about things in regards to science and spirit and behavior and intention and meaning. 
and messaging and so and how those brain maps can be changed. Mm-hmm. Our, our brain is ready for the change. It's willing, it's open. And it's just a matter of how do you do this? How do you listen to that inner knowing? And you did, you did. There was something that spoke to you and said, hey, Deborah, there could be another way. And there is another way. One of the things about being depressed is you tend to be reclusive. When you don't have any energy, you feel terrible about yourself. So why would anybody else like you? I had no friends, <laughs> no friends for, you know, once in a while I'd have a friend. But once I felt better about myself, I said, oh, well, maybe there's something good about me. A really key component to it, as I, for the first time in my life, developed genuine friendships. And that was essential because I needed to connect with people who actually loved me and cared about me. And and I had really no relationship with my family of origin. And now I have a pretty, I don't want to say large, but a nice size friendship group mostly of women, couple of men who actually genuinely love me and support me and encouragement. Like, how is this even possible? So yeah, I'm so that connecting with others is really key. You can't lay around in your bed and get better. And there's so many layers to this. And I just know that as people read your book, they will uncover those layers of how can I change my behavior? And then what starts happening, it becomes like a snowball effect. Once you start changing that behavior and those messages, things are getting brighter. You start feeling joyful, as you said. So there's so much to this, but we've covered so much today in just a short amount of time. And I want people to go and read your book. Absolutely. As we come to the close of the interview, my last question is, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of encouragement, what would they be? Wherever you are, If you're listening and you're depressed, don't give up. Consider opening your mind and there's hope. There's always, always hope. So don't give up. Thank you, Deborah, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Thank you. Absolutely. You can follow Deborah Holes on LinkedIn and Facebook at DebraHoles.life. And you can find her book on Amazon. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great! Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love, and Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.